Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new podcast. This is a podcast that I am doing as a Patreon exclusive, as a thank you to anyone who has signed up for the Underrated Movie Podcast Patreon. This podcast is going to be, of course, called Underdogs, and it's going to focus exclusively on sports films. You know, if you're hearing this on the main feed, it is going up about a week later. Uh, so I w- decided to make this first episode one that I would uh, give a taste to to uh, all of the all of the listeners to the Underrated Podcast a week after it goes up on the Patreon. Um, but going forward, yeah, a once a month on the 15th of every month, we're going to be talking about a new sports film. Uh, I'm going to be putting up polls for what sports film we're going to be talking about. And for the first one, I wanted to talk about a baseball film. And the film that won the poll was uh, Moneyball, one of my all-time favorite sports movies. And since we're talking about a baseball film, I had to bring in the podcaster who knows more about baseball than almost anyone else I know. And that would be Craig from the Great Hooks and Runs podcast. How is it going, Craig? It's going great, Derek. Thanks for having me on this uh, first episode. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited to have you on. Like I said, you are very knowledgeable about baseball um, and then movies as well. I was on an episode of your show uh, where we talked about our the top 10 baseball movies as ranked by uh, you and me um, and your co-hosts, I believe. That was a lot of fun. But, you know, before we get into Moneyball, what can you let the people well, I'm gonna know try about to your live show? Up to that, that, I'm <laughs> going to try to live up to that uh, that uh, introduction as being the expert on baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've always impressed me with your baseball knowledge. You know a lot more than I do, that's for sure. Definitely been studying up on the 2002 Oakland A's. Well, that's perfect. That's excellent. But yeah, what, before we get into it, did you want to mention anything about your show to our lovely listeners? Sure. Hooks and Runs is a podcast about baseball music and culture. It's primarily a baseball podcast and uh, with a focus on baseball history, some recent episodes, including our most recent, uh, an interview with Adam Lazarus, who wrote a recently released book, a wonderful book called The Wingmen of the Unlikely, Unusual, Unbreakable Friendship between John Glenn and Ted Williams. That's a really cool book. We also have interviewed uh, some former baseball players. We had Doug Rao on recently, a longtime Dodger pitcher, as well as Bill Bonham, who played for the Cubs and the Reds during his career. And just kind of a variety of angles. We've talked about ballparks, new and old. We've talked about uh, all sorts of things. And then music, of course, we, we love our music as well. That's featured on the show periodically. So just a, a, a podcast we've had a lot of fun doing. Our next episode will be number 170. Yeah, congratulations. That is a no small feat, getting to 170. Well, you know, if you just keep releasing one every week, the numbers keep... <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the way it works. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the numbers just keep going up. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again for being on but and coming and talking about... Yeah, yeah, and I'm talking about Moneyball, um, which is Absolutely. a movie. Yeah, we we talked about on your show. We ranked it as as one of our top ten baseball movies. The 2011 film directed by Bennett Miller, starring Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Philip Seymour Moore, Hoffman, Chris Pratt, and Robin Wright. But what are your thoughts on this film as both a movie and a baseball movie? 
Well, as a movie uh, and as a baseball movie, you know, the way we did our top 10 was you got to pick your top five and then we picked mm-hmm. the five favorite left over. And if you had not picked Moneyball as one of your top five, we would have picked it for sure. I think it's one of the best sports films of the century for sure since uh, two, uh, 2001. And I think the interesting thing about Moneyball is it is something that anyone can watch, even if they're not really a baseball fan. I think the way the storyline uh, develops in the film can capture the interest of somebody who's who's even not much of a baseball fan uh, because it's very clearly laid out. This is a b- movie about uh, general manager Billy Bean who is trying something new and different. It creates some natural conflicts that a baseball fan can certainly really sink their teeth into, but a non-baseball fan can understand and follow. There's human interest in the story of Billy Bean's kind of battle against himself as a former uh, star uh, high school player that that uh, passed on a college scholarship to sign out of high school and then kind of flamed out as a prospect, as well as his relationship with his daughter, which may be a little bit underdeveloped in the movie or overdeveloped, I guess, depending upon your point of view. But it's a it's an extremely well written movie. It's extremely well acted. Not just Brad Pitt, who's one of my favorite actors, but all of the actors in this movie really deliver a top performance. And you know, it's just a really enjoyable movie. It's one of my favorite sports movies. It's one of my favorite movies. It's just really well done. It's based on the book. I don't know if you mentioned it. It's based on the book uh, Moneyball. The Art of Winning an Unfair Game by Michael Lewis, written in 2003, about the way the Oakland A's were able to sustain themselves as a top baseball team, despite having one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. And it's about Billy Bean, the general manager who developed these uh, ideas uh, of how to find productive ballplayers at bargain basement prices. And it's really, like I say, it's a really good movie. It's a great first pick. Your uh, listeners are very astute as to good movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I completely agree with all of that. You know, and yeah, I'm I'm really glad this got to be the one to lead off this podcast, the one that everybody's going to get here on the main feed. Because, like I said, this is a great movie. You're absolutely right about it being both a movie that is very good for fans of baseball. It's it's got a lot of that, you know, literally inside baseball stuff going on. But if you are an outsider, someone who isn't a baseball fan or even a big sports fan. Uh, I think that this is a really good film. I watched a video essay that someone did who was talking about how they, they don't like baseball. They don't, they're don't. they not a sports guy. But this is their absolute favorite movie. And I think it really kind of compels you in all the drama of that. Because you're really you're not watching it from the baseball player's perspectives. You're watching it from ba- Brad Pitt's perspective. He is this guy who has grown up in baseball and he works in baseball. But he is a bit of an outsider. You know, he's the manager. He's not the coach. He is able to just kind of assemble this team and hope that it works out for the best. Like he's he's kind of, you know, rolling the dice here. And he's, you know, with the help of the Jonah Hill character, who is kind of an amalgamation of a lot of Billy Bean's real life execs and, uh, you know, assistants and stuff, uh, is trying to build the best statistical dice roll which, as we see, works out very, very well for him in the course of a season, 
and he starts to change things. But when you, as this is something we mentioned on your show, you know, when you're in a seven game series, the statistics, it's, it's a little more out the window. They even say that at near the end of the movie, right when they're about to lose, it's like statistics hold up over the course of the season, but one at bat, it's, it's all out the window. Um, I think is, this is the quote. So yeah, really just engaging movie. And I think this movie exemplifies why I think that baseball films are always the best sports films. I, I just love, love, love baseball movies. I think they're so inherently cinematic. There's sports movies in general are great because you get, you have that, okay, here's the start of the season. Here's the end of the season. There's a natural thing to go for. And this being based on that true story of the Oakland A's, it's kind of tragic in a way. I I love the way that Billy Bean, his story develops, that he eventually becomes a lot closer. You see him, you know, he's walled himself off from everyone. And then, you know, he has that moment where he thinks he's cursed. He goes back to the game. They start to make the comeback. He leaves. And then he has the moment at the end. Spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Moneyball. Definitely go out and watch Moneyball. But he has the moment where the Red Sox, who had beginning of the movie, you know, stole, quote unquote, Johnny Damon. They're trying to do the same to him and give him the biggest contract ever in the history of sports managers. And he doesn't do it. He doesn't become swooped up by these big contracts like so many of his players had. And I think that was that was a really great moment. Um, Yeah, just really awesome film. Um, I, you you know, you mentioned based on the book, I also want to shout out the screenwriters of this film, two really great screenwriters. This is a great screenplay. Like you said, one of the screenwriters, Steve Zalian, who has written films like uh, Schindler's List, Girl, the Dragon Tattoo, the first Mission Impossible, American Gangster, and then a couple Scorsese's, including The Irishman and one of my favorites, Gangs in New York. And then, of course, uh, the other screenwriter, Aaron Sorkin who, you know, his credits speak for himself, one of the few screenwriters who is as big a name as a lot of directors. And then, yeah, Bennett Miller, of course, being the director, who's only made three big budget movies, those being Capote, uh, and then this and Foxcatcher, Foxcatcher, another great uh, sports movie, drama, uh, dark one based on some true events. But he he's a really interesting director, he comes from, I guess, documentary filmmaking, and you can really see that style here in Moneyball um, with the just focus on characters, a lot of the tight shots that he does, um, how things will just kind of get closer uh, to show the intensity. And then he uses a lot of B-roll, a lot of actual game footage and stuff like that. Rather than shooting something more cinematic, he shows you like the Fox broadcast or whatever it might be, with the exception of just kind of this one big moment where it kind of becomes switches over to the style of like the natural or something at the end when they hit that home run at the end of the streak, which is a great little segment in the film. So yeah, I I completely agree with all you were saying. Moneyball, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I think you mentioned the spoilers and I don't know, can you really have a spoiler on what is essentially (laughs) a true story? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, do you need to say spoiler alert, the boat sinks if you're talking about Titanic? (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) I'm not really sure. I mean, I think more people know that the Titanic sank than know that uh, that Billy Bean was courted by the Red Sox after the 2002 Mm. season. (laughs) I'm always leery about a spoiler and a true story. It just seems a little odd to me. 
you know, like Lincoln, he got, he got shot at the end of the movie. It's the way it works. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we did, I think we assume now a nonfiction will be totally different. Of course. I mean, a fiction film would be totally different, I should say. But yeah, other than that, I mean, I think, I think the interesting thing about it is as a baseball film and as somebody that was aware of the Oakland A's during that time period, the, the late nineties into the, into the, uh, the first decade of this 21st century, there are some there are some holes in the film, factual holes that don't really detract from the movie, but but are interesting because one of the things that's not meant the, the film leaves the impression that Billy Bean cobbled together this 102 win season out of thin air on no money. And the reality of it is the Oakland A's were actually predicted to finish first or second by everyone. They had won 100 games the year before and lost in the playoffs and had been a contender for a few years under uh, Billy Bean. The struggle that Bean had in the offseason after losing in 2001 in the playoffs was replacing Johnny Damon, who you mentioned, and also uh, Jason Giambi, their all-star first baseman and, and best power hitter. And their closer, uh, Jason Isringhausen, were the three free agents that the A's could not afford to resign. But they were still a loaded team. They had Michael Tejada, who hit 34 home runs. Eric Chavez hit 34 home runs in 2002, the season that uh, is the subject of this film. They traded for Ray Durham. They had one of the best pitching staffs in baseball returning. Barry Zito won the Cy Young Award. In 2002, Tim Hudson and Mark Mulder were both outstanding all-star caliber pitchers, and they were able to replace uh, Isringhausen with some pretty good relief pitchers, some of whom were mentioned, but these all-star caliber players were never mentioned in the film. It does leave the impression, I think falsely, that this was not a, a very talented baseball team that just got off to a really slow start. The other thing in the film that is interesting to me as a Houston Astro fan is the way Art Howe is perceived or, or portrayed. Mm. He's portrayed by the great actor Philip Seymour Hoffman, who who we lost way too soon a few years mm. ago. But Art Howe was not as opposed to Billy Bean's player moves as he's led on. And Art Howe has actually carried that bitterness uh, for a long time. He he left Oakland at the end of the season, and I don't remember why. I don't think it was necessarily the best move. He went to New York probably for more money, hmm. but the Mets just were not a very good team in those days, and after two losing seasons in New York, Art Howe was let go and has never had a managerial job since. And when the movie came out, Art Howe was very bitter and very angry with Billy Bean, who did not control the movie, but those are, I guess, minor points that really inside baseball people would would pay attention to. It never detracts the film for me. I I, I just you know it's it's a film. There's going to be some some uh, some licenses taken. The two trades that are kind of at the center point did not actually happen on the same day, but still a great movie. And I just want to say Brad Pitt was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor. And every time I watch this movie, I come away with a new appreciation of how great an actor Brad Pitt is. He, yeah. he really is. He, you, you look at his 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 uh, filmography, and it's just one great performance after another. This one, to me, is no different. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, there's that kind of old refrain about how it is a character actor stuck in the body of like one of the most handsome men in the world. So he's kind of been thrust into these main roles. And I think it's always really interesting when he is one in one of these main roles, but he gets to play a character that is like a lot closer to something you would see a character actor play someone who is contemplative and thoughtful. And he, he doesn't, he's very soft spoken. He, he's really interesting. And that scene that you mentioned that, you know, it didn't, the play trades didn't actually happen on that same day. But he is so good in that scene. Like that to me he is is one of the big, big, big highlights of the movie. And uh, Pitt had to, he would never have to do this, but he had to make an acting reel or something. Like that would be in the reel. He's great. You mentioned the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's such a good antagonist in this movie to be like, might not have been how Art Howe actually was, but man, that performance is phenomenal. And it really just, they, the way they play off each other is great. Uh, I think Jonah Hill. I think yeah, he, you know, there's that he he there's that this is kind of when people realize, oh no, Jonah Hill is not just like the funny guy. He can he can act. Like they even make the joke in This is the end when he's like praying and is like, hey God, it's me, Jonah Hill from Moneyball. He yeah. he's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Uh so I I think this is, you know, a stacked cast. You've got Robin Wright, I said in a a smaller role. This is early Chris Pratt, who is I think he's the one of the guys who is the a baseball player who wasn't an actual baseball player. Pretty much all of the rest of the guys are athletes, I believe, or were athletes in some respect. Um, there's a lot of randomly, there's a couple director cameos in this. You get Spike Jones as uh, Robin Wright's new husband. But yeah, all around, a lot, of, a lot of talent in this movie, both behind the camera and in front of it. I noticed also that this is um, Wally Pfister, who people who are fans of Christopher Nolan might know is he was Nolan's cinematographer. Uh, so that's why this movie, part of the reason why this movie looks so good is this is the only movie that Wally Pfister did from, I think it was when he did Insomnia. He did, he did pretty much all of Nolan's movies up until the Dark Knight Rises. And from Batman Begins to Dark Knight Rises, he only did Nolan movies except for this one. This is the one uh, exception. And that was, this was coming right off of him winning best cinematography for Interstellar or Inception is the one that he won for. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, because you mentioned the the screenwriters, Aaron Sorkin and Steven Zalian, that when I was watching the movie uh, very recently, getting ready for this, there was that scene in Scott Hattieberg's house, and that's uh, Chris Pratt mm-hmm. played Scott Hattieberg, who was uh, signed as a free agent by Oakland coming into the season. Like Billy Bean and one of his scouts, Ron Washington, who is uh, played by Brent Jennings goes to Hattieberg's house to offer him the contract to play for Oakland. And the thing is, Hattieberg has had some arm trouble and can no longer catch. Mm-hmm. But Billy Bean wants him to learn how to play first base. There's a great exchange, and it's so well written and so well acted, you miss it if you're not really paying close attention. But Hattieberg says, you know, I've never played first base. And Billy Bean says, you know, it's not that hard. Uh, tell him, Wash. And then Ron Washington says, it's incredibly hard. <laughs> you know, just deadpan as can be. And then later in the exchange, Scott Hattieberg says, because he's replacing Jason Giambi, the all-star mm-hmm. first baseman from the previous year that was lost to free agency. And then Hattieberg says, well, what about the fans? And Washington, I, I don't think I caught this like the first few times I saw the movie, but he says, uh, Hattieberg says, what about the fans? Meaning I'm replacing their favorite mm-hmm. player. And Washington says, yeah, maybe we can teach one of them. <laughs> 
had such a good line and so subtle, like you say. Yeah, I mean the 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 way the uh, the way Bennett Miller handles a lot of that banter and sneaks those really great lines into the dialogue is is uh, exemplary of a of a top flight uh, director for sure with with great writers. But this movie is filled with those moments. And and like you say, this is like I say, just just watching it for the no telling how many times now, still pick up on these little things that happen throughout the movie. So really a great movie. And and it's one of the few movies that I can think of that takes you behind the scenes. Like you mentioned at the top of the film, at the top of the podcast, this is not a movie about on the field action. You get some of it. Uh, you get some of it really to just kind of move the narrative a bit. The, what's happening on the field is not the point of the of the movie. Even the big finish at the end when the A's come up short is really almost an afterthought. You just get a little bit of of uh, some of that playoff live, like you mentioned, B-roll, B-roll action. This is a movie about what happens in the clubhouses, in the offices, and on the phone. And all of the conflicts that are highlighted, you know, you have the great exchange between Billy Bean and the and the veteran, the aging veteran, Dave Justice in the batting cage, you know, and it's all about, can you know, can we make this work? You know, I'm trying to win a pennant. You're trying to stay in the show. It, it really brings the mortality of, of uh, athletes uh, career into focus. Really, you know, all of that is stuff you don't normally get in movies where the action is on the field right and 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 you really get a peek inside of the vulnerability of these players and you know getting cut for example and all of these things that happen during the course of a season you get exposed to that you don't get i think in a lot of baseball films yeah yeah absolutely and like i mentioned before Brad Pitt, uh, Billy Beans builds up those walls where he's like, well, I can't have relationships with these guys. I've got to cut them. And then he starts to build these relationships and then he has to cut someone. And I think, you know, that's, it's, it's very much, you know, you, that's obviously works in this baseball movie, but it's, uh, it works, you know, in general, it's like, it's like, you don't want to necessarily get close to people because you might have to cut those, lose those people in your lives. You know, you might have to end a relationship or romantic relationship, or you might have to move across the country. You might have to lose a relationship for whatever reason. And I think it speaks to that. And that's what I think baseball movies do so well is that they take this thing that is like, yeah, baseball, you know, it's one thing, but they make it very universal. That's why I think they're the best sports movies. I think that they're the best at doing stuff like that. Like we said on your episode, I think that baseball movies are really the story of America and like the American dream and whatever form that might take, you know, like we mentioned, you know, we talked about 42. That was really about the civil rights uh, era filtered through the story of Jackie Robinson. You have, you know, um, uh, league of their own, which is a story about women coming, becoming more and more important uh, post-war and wanting to do things after they, they, uh, their husbands came back from the war and they were helping with the war effort. And now they want to be able to join the workforce to do all the things that men have been able to do for so long or sugar about the immigrant experience. But I think this one absolutely applies to that. And because this is a movie about how things are changing in the, the turn of the century, you know, this is set in 2001 and now we are starting to understand things about baseball. They're they're saying, look at all these analytics, these sabermetrics. You can really revolutionize the game if we start thinking better. But then there's the old guard, the way that 
they're like, this is the way things have always been done. So we are not going to change the old way. This is this is the way we've made our money. This is the way, you know, and, and that's the theme that comes up again and again and again in the movie. And in that conversation that he has with the the GM of the Red Sox, he kind of talks about, yeah, like it didn't work out this year. The first guy through the fence always gets bloody. And that applies to baseball, but it also applies to just the way that the world was changing then and it still is changing and that there was people who so many people in America want to just do things because that's the old way, that's the right way. But and they are just progress is trying to be hindered. And that's one of the thing I think this movie does really, really well. It does. The the uh, meeting in the scouts room at the beginning when Billy Bean starts to talk about some of these uh, inexpensive players he wants to pick up and focus on on base percentage instead of the old guard scouts of that time, you know, using their eye test. And it's our experience and our gut and our instinct and what have you that uh, is going to going to rebuild this team. And, and uh, that's the conflict between. Billy Bean's vision of how baseball teams are put together and the old guard, it's still going on. I mean, there's a couple of things in the current baseball season that are direct uh, in the direct line from Moneyball. One of them is the rules against the shift. Hmm. Sabermetrics and, um, you know, the computer analysis of baseball had become so extreme that defenses were doing some very strange things and shifting to where the players were most likely to hit the ball. So this year we get a new set of rules to address that and establish kind of where players in the defensive scheme can set up to defend against hitters that hit the ball almost exclusively one direction or the other. So we have the anti-shift rule. The other is more uh, micro-oriented, but uh, as I mentioned, I'm a Houston Astro fan. I'm down here in the Houston area, and it has been a real difficult season for the Astros even though we did clinch a playoff spot last night, uh, the, the next to last game of the season with a win over Arizona, because we have an old guard manager. Dusty Baker mm. is in his early 70s. He's been around baseball since the early 1970s as a player and a, a, a longtime manager. He's been very good for Houston, but he is an old style manager. And we have a couple of young players that a lot of fans, me included, feel are not getting enough playing time. Because the eye test of the old guard says these two veterans should be playing in their place, even though all of the numbers say Chris McCormick and Yasmer Diaz ought to be playing catcher and in the outfield. And so I said, Chris, it's Chad McCormick. And and yeah, and that's been going on the radio shows and the whole bit about these two, about these uh, players and and Dusty Baker's kind of hard-headed approach to the old guard way of doing business, which is look at the player's personal instinct and so forth. So this con these conflicts in the game that are highlighted in Moneyball are still alive and well in baseball today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like it was something like it's it's obviously was happening when the film is set in 2002. It was still happening in 2011 when the film came out. And as you mentioned, it's still going on in 2023 as we're recording this episode right now both in baseball and then with so many other things people just clinging to the past but yeah uh, i think you know we we're talking about how baseball movies i are for me my favorite kind of sports films the ones that are translate the most cinematically the ones that have the most to say about our world would you agree with that 
they do. I think you, you, there are some films from the other sports, but I don't think that you get the variety. I was struck when we did our episode back in the summer how much variety there was in these different films, how many different angles the film was able to take. And you just don't see that. In other sports and football films and, and football films or I was I was thinking of football. I was thinking of North Dallas 40, which is the closest thing to me to a baseball film that you get in the sport of football anyway. But a lot of other sport films just don't have the variety or the number of films, the number of stories that can be told out of that. Out of yeah. that. So um so absolutely. I mean, I, I agree that um that baseball, you said it in our on our show, it's the story of America, and in a lot of ways it is. And baseball, in a lot of ways, is a story of America. It was America's mm -hmm. pastime for so long and was such an instrumental part of the morale of the country during World War II, for example. And only when we became more of a faster-paced, non-agrarian economy and society did baseball uh, succumb to other sports, namely football as the number one viewer experience or fan experience in and uh, but baseball still has that very romantic appeal to it it's even in the film uh late in the film brad pitt says it's hard not to be romantic about baseball yeah and uh that is so true yeah that is that is one of my favorite lines of the film it's it's something i have a friend who who's not a big baseball fan and i say that to her all the time yeah and uh you know it's i think what you were hitting on about you know the romanticism of baseball and the kind of slower pace are things that might have heard it in the real world with football and other sports being faster paced but i think it really does a lot of favors to it on the big screen you are able to slow down have these characters staring each other down uh you have characters that aren't really covered in a lot of gear so you are able to connect i mean that maybe not be a huge thing in this issue where it's mostly about the managers but you know, the characters, you know, you, you're right up there in their face. There are these moments. It's not all just kind of constant action. It's not like a, you know, it's not like football, which would be more like a John Wick movie or something. It's more, there's a lot more room for drama when it's just, there's this bit moment. And then the crack of the bat is so just cinematic. And that's why so many good baseball movies end with like the big home run, the natural, like we said, just boom, shooting out the lights. There's nothing like it. And just having that calm before this big moment lends itself so, so well to a movie. And that's why I think despite what happens to baseball might not be the number one America's pastime anymore, it still is going to be the number one sports movie to me, I think. And circling back to the whole romantic notion of it, it really is. It really, there is something special about baseball the way that you sit down with the, the cracker jacks or whatever at the game and and you know the way it's passed from fathers to son is such a big thing i i talked about on your show how the reason that i know what i know about baseball is because my dad is a huge baseball fan you're an astros fan i'm an angels fan he's still he watches every single game he watches all the angels games he doesn't live in that market anymore so he pays for like the mlb package or whatever so he can watch all the games they went on yeah. a <laughs> they went on a road trip that took like two weeks or something like that and they got to see you know the rock and roll hall of fame in new york city and like it, all these amazing places and he's like 
They get back, and I was like, Dad, how was the trip? He was like, great, but I get to go back and watch the Angels now. I didn't get to see any Angels, except for when they played them in Baltimore. We were there. I got to see one game, oh. you know, so. Uh, my, my hat's off to your dad because, <laughs> my God, it must be tough to be an Angels fan. Oh, my God, yeah. I, even me, as like a casual fan, I'm like, ugh. It's like we have yeah. two of the most transcendent players of all time. We can't crack 500. It's, just, it's, exactly. it's rough. Yeah, and we're about to lose exactly. one of them probably. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's been you. rough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's one of the things I've told some of my Astro friends who are really down on a team this year because they haven't won 100 games and haven't run away with the West. And you go, you know, sometimes the other teams are, are good too. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're they're trying to win too the texas rangers have gotten good and uh you know we've gotten a little spoiled in houston but hopefully we got another playoff run in us we'll see what happens yeah yeah well uh, i i i mean i i would say best of luck to i can't i can't bring myself to say that <laughs> <laughs> and it's chas mccormick i always get his name wrong it's chas c-h-a-s Chaz McCormick is the other player. He's hitting 276, 22 home runs with part-time play. And, yeah, that's one of the players. It's been a real dramatic thing for a lot of fans that those two guys, Yanir Diaz and Chaz McCormick. But, again, it's the money ball conflict coming to life this year in Houston. And, mm-hmm. um, and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So, obviously, I you know, I, I don't want to be fatalistic about baseball. Baseball attendance is up and fans mm-hmm. still flock to these games. It just doesn't have the TV ratings and it doesn't generate the media that football does. And football is really a made for TV sport. If it didn't already right. exist, a lot of people say TV yeah. would have had to invent football for, for Sundays, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, the playoffs are around the corner. This was a great first pick. I don't know what more there is to say. I'm looking at my notes. We've covered all of my notes about this film. And Billy Bean, incidentally, is still with the Oakland A's. Yeah, yeah. And and they, they are moving to Las Vegas. But Billy Bean has made has made a career out of uh, being an Oakland. He's a company man with the Oakland Athletics. And as recently as 2020, the strike shortened season, they were still winning the American League West. And I don't know what happened. New ownership came along. They've uh, cut the payroll even more. And not even Billy Bean can feel the competitive mm-hmm. team. And um, of course, a lot of Oakland's problems was the city and the county's inability to build a new stadium for them. Yeah, yeah, they, they yeah, they followed the Raiders out there, or they're going to follow the Raiders out there to Vegas, I guess, you know? Yeah, I don't know, is Vegas big enough to support three major league teams? Because they already had the, the hockey team, and yeah. now the, the football team, and of course now the baseball team, and it's it's... I don't know enough about Las Vegas, I guess, to know if there's enough people there to support that. So I almost feel like uh, the same as I do with New Orleans, with the Saints and uh, the Pelicans. You know, that's a lot of major league sports for a fairly small place to support. Yeah, I mean, I feel like because I was just out there for a music festival. And so this is like anecdotal, but it definitely seemed, you know, like because we were on the kind of the outskirts, uh, you know, away from the strips. And it seemed like bustling and you know busy and stuff like that and i know a lot of that is to- like a lot of that city is like the tourism industry but uh you know they've they've got that big stadium i happened to be there on the raiders home opening and it it was it was people were bustling things were you know people were going to reliance stadium it was i ended up making a little bit of money because i bet against the raiders because i figured the line would be all off with it being the home opener in vegas sunday night football and i i did win a little bit of money betting on the steelers 
So sorry to any any Raiders fans while I was out there viewing your city. I, I made a little bit of money off you, but I think I think so. You know, I think that the hockey was an interesting kind of test run. They're like, can Vegas support uh, a team? Because you know, hockey it's one of the four major sports, but it's definitely in fourth place. And I, I love hockey too. We're, I'm going to definitely have to do a hockey episode, maybe talking about like Slapshot or Goon or something like that. Um, yeah. But uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I think that yeah, you, yeah, think the, of, you think of hockey films and you got one. There's one you can think of. Slapshot. Slapshot. Yeah. Like, you know, a goon. I mean, there, there, there's a few. The goon. I'm definitely <laughs> like it's between Slapshot or goon. Off the top of my head, I, I can't think of any other ones, but I do really have a, a special place in my heart for, for both of those uh, movies. I mean, the Mighty Ducks, of course, the Mighty Ducks films. I, I haven't watched those since I was a kid, yeah. so I'm not sure how yeah. they'd hold up. <laughs> But yeah, I think so. Would... I guess the difference between I mean, I can't speak for hockey. I'm not a fan. I, I guess the difference between the football team in Las Vegas and the baseball team is if you are a fan of football and your team has a game in Las Vegas, you are probably circling that as your road trip. Right, right. You know, so you can go out to Vegas, take a long weekend, uh, hit the hit the shows, hit the casino, and then go to the game on Sunday or whenever. Baseball yeah. is 81 dates, and it's a little bit different. So I don't know. I'm really interested to see. It's going to be a, a few years before they get that stadium up and running. It's not going to happen right away. But, um, again, we'll see. You know, Billy Bean may go east with the A's. It'll be the what are the fourth move from Philadelphia to Kansas City to mm-hmm. Oakland and now Las Vegas for the athletic franchise. But yeah. uh, just to wrap up the the about the film, I guess mm-hmm. – just one of the best one of the best i mean if you have not seen moneyball don't let the fact that we spoiled it with the red sox thing keep you from seeing it it is a phenomenal film yeah absolutely you know one of my all-time favorite baseball movies and sports films in general like i was saying at the top the only other thing i'll say is there's there's one line in this movie that deeply resonates with me and why i think i relate to billy bean a lot as a character and he just says when he says i hate losing I hate losing more than I love winning, and it is it is not the same. And I I understand yeah. that I am a competitive person, and I have never been near the level of competition that is displayed in this movie. But I, even playing a board game, my parents oh, yeah. of it, I've got to I've got to <laughs> win. I've got to crush them. I've got to be the the Lord of Catan, you know. So. Yeah, exactly. Can't you just play for fun? No, I cannot <laughs> just play for. Fun. I always love I know to say. That, yeah. I always love to say to my mom, it's that quote from, um, I think it's Herm Edwards. Uh, yeah, it is Herm. When he's just at the press conference and it's like, hello, you play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no question. So no question. That's a, that's a great line. There's so many great lines. I mean, yeah. if you're going to watch this movie, pay attention. There's so many great lines all throughout the movie. Yeah. Yep. So. Well, well, Craig, yeah, it sounds like we are wrapping up. Thank you again for so much for coming on, bringing your wealth of baseball knowledge, your, your knowledge on films as well to this. I think this great way to start out this new Patreon podcast. Hopefully this in, this great discussion we have had entices some people to head over to the Patreon. If you're wondering about that, it's just underrated movie podcast uh, at patreon.com slash underrated movie podcast or go to underrated movie podcast.com got all the links there so that's it for the patreon but craig what about your show where can people find that uh we're at hooksandruns.com or you can go to your platform of choice we're on almost all of them i'm sure hooks and runs 
And uh, we are a weekly podcast, new episodes on Thursdays, and uh, have a lot of really cool stuff coming up. And we've got a back catalog of episodes that are pretty interesting, too. So we'd love to have you join us at Hooks and Runs, as well as uh, underrated podcasts and underdogs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank thank you so much. And I'm sure you guys are going to have some, like, the, this is coming out right as the playoffs are starting. So uh, there's going to be some good stuff on there. I'm absolutely positive. Well, uh, later tonight, uh, after the last games are in, we're going to do an episode and preview the first round playoff games. So uh, that's cool, that's cool. going to be later tonight. So absolutely, yeah, it's a it's it's showtime for baseball. It's not quite football season for me yet. We got to get through the World Series. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> then, I, then I'll yeah. watch a lot of football, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being on. Yeah, I, I was going to say October is is kind of the best month for sports because. You've got baseball, you've got football in full swing, and then basketball and hockey are just starting to gear up. There's there's interesting stuff like the Dame trade and stuff like that to talk about in basketball. So it's just a great sport, sports month, you know. And then you've got stuff Absolutely. like F1 and everything else. So it's it's awesome. Absolutely. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to this, the pilot episode of Underdogs. Hope you come back for more. Hope you come back for more Hooks and Runs as well. Until next time, I'll see you guys all later.